Welcome to the Future Now Media Podcast, where we believe a future now is a future one. I'm your host, Peggy Kim, and I'm the founder and president of the Future Now Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit leadership incubator for the media and entertainment industry. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of today's top industry leaders, executives, and professionals. We'll also hear about their personal and professional career journeys, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are today, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll also share some of the best content from our Future Now live events. So stay tuned. Today's episode features a panel discussion that took place at the 2017 Future Now Media and Entertainment Conference. Featuring executives from BET Networks, the panel discusses the secrets behind the success of the New Edition Story, which was a miniseries that hit big on BET that year. The panelists include Khadija Sharif Drinkard, Vice President and Associate General Counsel for Viacom Media Networks and BET, Michelle James, Vice President for 360 Consumer Marketing and Brand Strategy, Louise DeFrank, Director of Communications, and Carol Cunningham of BET's Corporate Market Research Team. The discussion is moderated by former Miss America Kirsten Hagland, who is one of today's rising TV personalities and political commentators. As you listen, you'll get a better understanding of a TV network's ecosystem and how all the different departments work together behind the scenes to put on your favorite shows. You'll also get some great insights and wisdom on what aspiring media professionals can do to position themselves for success in the industry. Take a listen. First of all, I want for those of you who here watched the new edition story. You guys, look at that. Awesome. So we got some fans in the house. <laughs> um, so, but Khadija, let's start with you. For those who haven't seen uh, the new edition story, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the TV miniseries and how long it took this thing to get up and running? Thank you. Good morning, first of all. How are you all? Good. Good to see some bright eyed and what you tell young people out there, ready to conquer the world. So um, I would say that, um, you know, New Edition actually started about 11 years ago. It was a gentleman named Abdul Williams who wrote the story, um, who started out many years ago trying to chronicle the path and the story of these really six individuals, really five at the beginning, but six, you know, ultimately when Bobby left the group and Johnny came in. And um, he actually wrote this, uh, I guess, 10 years back initially, and then pitched it to three different presidents at BET. Um, so over the span of three different presidents in 11 years, we finally actually got the green light to make this movie, this miniseries, which was a three-part. If you think about it, it really is three different movies, basically. Theatrical motion pictures are two hours, and so in essence, we actually did six hours um, of the show. Um, it took a long time because he wanted to get it right. He engaged the actual members of New Edition, and they actually had a large part in telling their story. They were co-producers on the project themselves, and also spent a lot of time with us really trying to craft the story, obviously with six different people, their six different opinions to some extent. But what was great about it was that they really were um, they were invested in the project with us, and they were really engaged from the beginning to the end, and they actually still are doing some things with us. So it was a long, long journey, but it was well worth it, obviously. Um, the, the story actually, just if, for those of you who haven't seen it, I won't be a spoiler, but I'll just sort of say that it is a story of brotherhood, a story of triumph, a story of people who had a, kids who had a dream, quite honestly, who were really young in the housing projects of Boston and decided that they could do something with their talent and ultimately share their story with the world and their talent with the world. And so the result, obviously, um, when you finish seeing the movie, you'll, the miniseries that is, you'll actually feel as, as if you recognize 
um, not just hints of brotherhood and triumph, but really um, a real sense of um, accomplishment. They didn't, they didn't go to college, uh, but they actually did a lot of the things that we tell people that they need to go out and do in, the, in, the, um, in our country to attain the American dream. And I think that that's exactly what it is. It's really a story of the American dream for these young men. So. That's sort it. of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, you know, you talk about this is a story that, you know, really does resonate, the American dream. Everyone can relate to that. Uh, but the element of knowing your audience goes a lot deeper than just some of these general themes. There's a lot of crunching numbers, and there's a, a, a lot of research that goes into this beforehand so that you can have the kind of success that you had. And, Carol, that's your job, research. <laughs> yes, so it why, is. <laughs> so um, give us a little insight um, into what you were looking for in order to help with the communication and marketing to really propel this story forward. So the first thing I always make sure it, it, I'm always surprised at how much synchronicity takes place among all of us. Um, it always starts with the data first, helping people understand what's really going on, why it's important, helping them understand why these genres matter, how audiences watch, um, and what they're doing on the digital platforms, because we have to make sure that content is carried everywhere so that people can get to it. Um, so one of the best things that we did was we all sat down and we helped people understand how important this story would be, the rags to riches, Rags to riches, riches to rags again, right? Um, at the end of the day. And central themes come out. The authenticity of the group itself in terms of who they are and what they are and what they do. Um, the inspiration, aspirational aspects of it, I think, are important. And then knowing how people watch TV, how they lean in and they engage in all aspects, um, and how authentic it has to be in order for them to do that. Yeah. So I think it's important. Can you talk a little bit about the digital media strategy and how now it's not just trying to get people to watch their television when it comes on, but it's about Twitter, it's about, you know, black Twitter, you know, it's, it's, it's so multi-platform now, the engagement has to be. Yeah, it's an omni-platform presence. It really is important to understand that concept. Um, we don't longer think about anything being cannibalized or siphoned. I think it's about completing the experience for the consumer or the user, ultimately at the end. And one of the things we know about Twitter, it's hard to get things done in 140 characters, but black Twitter is a whole different ball game. And one of the things you don't want to do is to get dragged by black Twitter consistently. So <laughs> we work really hard to make sure that we're in sync with black Twitter. Um, but it, I mean, they can really become brand ambassadors for you before anything ever happens. Yeah. Um, they get the word out for you. They take virality to a whole different level. Um, and it's important to have them in your back pocket as you're doing something. Yeah. And it's neat to see that that was a part of the intentional strategy and not just a, we're going to throw this out to the wind and hope yeah. it goes viral. <laughs> it was very intentional. You know? Yeah. And so MJ, Michelle, um, you know, consumer marketing, this is your ball game. Uh, so, and you've, you've got some really great slides and even a few clips to show us a little bit of the behind the scenes and how, how this was marketed out to the public. But talk a little bit about that, you know, piggybacking on what Carol talked about with research and, and what your job was in marketing the show. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, we, uh, over a year ago, we all met and, you know, like, what is the show? Like, what are the nuggets we need to know to really move it forward? This was a project that not only from a professional standpoint, it was important to the network, but just on a personal standpoint, it was important to a lot of, um, you know, my colleagues at BET. We had grew up with, with New Edition. Uh, people felt vested in the project. And so it was important that the data that, that Carol gave us, that we really used that um, in, in planning the strategy. I just want to go to some of the notables about the campaign that I think was a little, you know, we took a different approach 
um, than other shows that uh, we launch at the network. And one of those was really, you know, going out, you know, seven months out to promote the show. And if you look at what's happening in the industry now, seven months out, that's really kind of what movies are doing, right? You know, Baywatch launched a year ago, right? So big blockbuster movies. And we really treated this, as Khadija mentioned, it's like three blockbuster movies, like, you know, premiering on BET. And so, you know, we looked at the timing and we said, what's happening over the summer that we can really launch this in a big way? And we decided to launch the marketing campaign at the Essence Music Festival. And one of the reasons, looking at the research, looking at the data, is we knew 500,000 people, our target audience, 500,000 African-Americans, you know, international, um, you know, they have a nice mix at the Essence Festival. We're going to be there. And not only were they going to be there, New Edition was performing, right? So, um, Carol just mentioned about alignment, right? So how do you make sure you're aligned, aligning your content with events that make sense for the person that you want to tune in. So we took that opportunity to launch the show um, and really create buzz. We partnered with Uber. Uh, We did out of home. So we did a lot of strategic thinking in that market to really make it feel big. So then, you know, social media, we talk about, you know, digital media, people were tweeting and talking about it. Um, The other thing we did is we wanted to make sure we had a bridge strategy. You know, seven months is a long time. So you can't, you know, launch big and then go dark, right? So you want to be thinking about that as you're planning uh, different marketing executions. It's like, okay, what what is my timeline? And what is that funnel from awareness to consideration to tune in, right? Because, you know, my job is to make sure people tune in, right? So, you know, when you hear ratings, it's like how many people actually tuned in to the network on that night? You know, it's critical for me that I didn't spend, you know, 10% of my budget launching, go dark, hoping that people are going to remember that this is coming. So throughout the, the, after the premiere or the launch, we did events. We con- were continuously in the marketplace communicating what was happening with New Edition. I want to show a, a clip because I can go, you know, all day with all the different things that we did. But I want to show a video to kind of highlight, you know, some of the events that we did in multiple markets to promote the show and other happenings at BET. Party, 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 plan. Push that system, bring the heat so the whole world listens. It's awesome that they will reach out to the fans and give the fans an upfront view of what is to come and what they will be giving to the fans and to also see what the fans love. Right now we're in Philly at BET Fan Front. Coming to Philadelphia. Excited to be here in DC, connecting up with BT and Fan Up Front. And I think it's a great thing that BT involves the fans. But it's BT Soul, but it's BT Jams, but it's BT Mobile, we got you. We out here. We have a good time, bro. It's Chicago. It's nightlife. Let's get it. We take our relationship with our fans very seriously, which is why we wanted to come out today and do this party for you today. I'm a part of the BET family now. I'm always showing love to the fans. So I'm happy to be here. BET Summer Fan Party. 
Birmingham, Alabama. We out here. BT, I appreciate you for selecting me to come out here and reach out to the people. We love you guys. We hope you love us. Continue to support us. We'll continue to support you. You guys, turn up. All right. What's good? This is Ro James out in Miami for BET Fan Front. You're missing out if you haven't checked it out. It's your boy, PNB Rock, man. I want to thank BET for bringing me closer to my fans. And when it comes to BET, what is it you're looking forward to coming off of BET? to real hustlers of Hollywood. Oh my God. Kevin Hart, Boris Kojo. I'm just ready to laugh. OCD obsessed with being Mary Jane. I just relate to her so much as far as being a journalist and being a black woman in the industry. It's just so much fun. I love it. I'm really looking forward to Gary Owens show coming. I'm super excited to see all the new shows coming out, especially New Edition. I cannot wait to see who plays Bobby Brown. I'm so excited for all the new content coming up. Wow. So that was just, a, I mean, imagine doing that in, you know, eight markets, you know, thousands of people showing up at every event, looking for a good time. But, you know, your strategic purpose of having those events is to message what's happening on the network and promote new additions. So where we could, we had Luke James. Um, we had, different, you know, different members of the cast, but Luke James did, a, you know, a number of performances in different markets. And, of course, he played Johnny Gill in uh, New Edition. So that was, um, you know, pretty exciting. Yeah. The other thing that we did, um, and I think it's important to note, is that we had strategic placements um, of our advertising. And so, you know, a lot of times you hear people, you know, they're looking at, you know, their favorite networks and they're watching BET and they see the advertisement. But we can't just rest on the fact that we know our audience is watching BT. we have to make sure we're get, capturing them in strategic places. So, you know, one of the things that we did is we really looked at, you know, proxy um, shows to see where was our audience. Again, going back to the research and making sure, um, you know, we knew where that audience was. We also wanted to make sure we were in the parameters of legal because one of the things with this show, which is unique um, to other shows, is that it had a strong music focus. It's new edition. It's about our favorite boy band. Um, and so, you know, in certain, you know, places, if we're going to play, you know, Can You Stand the Rain, that might cost $30,000 for a week of airing. So we really had to be strategic to make sure that where, you know, when and where we were airing made sense from a budgetary standpoint. Um, and that, again, we were all aligned and working together uh, to make sure that there wouldn't be any negative repercussions after. Yeah. Really incredible. Great job. Um, and I think it's so important to talk about, you know, it almost feels like a political campaign. It's like, know your audience, do the data, you know, where are the swing districts, you know, where can you bring more people on board and how can you broaden your base of support, right? Uh, so I, I, I'm curious and I, I loved this footage it was so neat to see how you really care about the people that watch your shows and your network. And I wonder how much of these, these shows and these events were also about listening to how people responded to your marketing message, right? Not just putting out, putting out, putting out, but also listening. What sticks? What connect, you know, what do people click on? What do people respond to versus, you know, just throwing content in their faces? How do people respond? Was that MJ and, and Lewis want to bring you in here? Was that, you know, a part of the strategy as well? 
I mean, on, on my end, I think that was a very useful tool because I, and, and what I, my role in this project was to capitalize on every single opportunity of everything that we um, planned for for this project. So um, in these events in particular, you get to see who are the characters that stand out, which will help me and how do I position them in, you know, uh, media pitches, who do I put um, for broadcast or who is better um, in, in the sense of, oh, Maybe it's a performance that that we um, coordinate for, uh, you know, what I have planned on the on the PR side. So I thought it was very useful to kind of get a little, in a way, um, uh, just uh, it, more of an inside look, I guess I, I want to call it, behind, like, our audiences. Like, you can actually uh, get, you know, that type of connection so quickly. So I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. And, Louis, when we talked before, you talked about, you know, I asked you, what's a piece of advice that you can give young people getting into this business and, you know, wanting to do what you do, you know, because you work with, I mean, you all work with the talent, obviously, in your own ways, legal and, and promotions, et cetera. But you work directly with them, pitching them to media. Right. You're doing the red carpet events. Right. You know, that's the glitzy, glamorous end of it. Um, you know, but what advice would you give for young people coming into this industry? You mentioned something I think is very important about hard work. Yeah, I think, you know, a, a large part of it is doing your homework and actually, you know, working hard towards that goal because um, preparation is a big part of, you know, how successful you're going to be and what you want your future career to be. So be it um, if you're interested in communications, like you should be, you know, reading the trades, you should be um, connecting with people that are uh, part of the industry. So you kind of have as much information to help you decide what, what career path and, and what uh, is important for you in, in your um, endeavors. Yeah. Preparation is so, so important so that you can be, as each one of you have demonstrated, a good team member. And that is another reason. That's why we have you all here, because this, it wasn't just one person making this show a hit. It wasn't just the stars that you watched on the miniseries on television. I mean, content is king, but... The team is the queen, right? You guys rule the kingdom, the content and the team. And so, Khadija, talk a little bit about how important teamwork was and the messaging and getting everyone on, on the same page. Yeah, I think actually, I mean, you know, obviously for all of our programs that we put out, teamwork is important. I think particularly on this one, um, the success that we had actually was because we had such a coherent team and the, and the, the team was bonded from the beginning. We had, or basically we treated it as if it was a temp hole. And for us, you know, we have several temples a year, actually, you know, probably like six to be exact. BET Awards is one of the biggest ones. But when, when, when what happens with temples at our companies that everybody huddles around those temples. We have an objective. We have strategy. As MJ mentioned earlier, you know, we huddled in a room and we said, okay, look, what do we know? It was almost like a war room, quite honestly. It was like, what do we know about the, the fans of New Edition? We were fans as well, but we wanted to talk to like the grassroots fans, right? The people who were organizing sort of them to get their Hollywood um, star on the Walk of Fame. There was a woman actually who raised the money and did it. So we went to find her. How did you find her? Oh, I think we got her through social media yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah social media. Just Facebook. that easy. So, but, but the reality was the importance of get galvanizing people who are already in the trenches behind New Edition was really important for us, too. So MJ had a campaign where she was going into local communities. So what she didn't talk about, actually, was all these movie theaters that she was. She was doing screenings across the country. Wow. And so, so you could see night one in the theaters. So there was a whole campaign where, the, you know, when she laid this out for us in terms of the teamwork aspect, she laid it out for us, and we all pitched in ideas, and we'd say, 
what about this? And we should do that. And we should do this. But the thing is that we need knew from the beginning that if we actually work as a team, we would make this a huge hit. And actually, I think, you know, I'll just say for all the sleepless nights I personally had, um, <laughs> the three o'clock in the morning phone calls about talent or whatever else I had to deal with. Um, but what I will say is that I knew from the beginning and I said, you know, if this keeps going the way it is, everybody's huddled together and working and fully engaged, we're going to have a big hit. And we actually did. So the teamwork is key. And I think it makes, you know, MJ said they went out seven months early. They did all these different things. That is what is oftentimes required in order for us to be successful. And so, you know, in anything that you all do as well, you know, sometimes people have projects, you know, obviously it's easier sometimes to work by yourselves if you, you choose to, if you have a class project, but oftentimes, you know, um, if you, if you are a team, if, um, focused person as well. You can learn from other people on those in your teams, and that, that's what we do. But, and I think, and I'll just say this as well, just to add real quick. You know, one of the reasons why I think it was important for us from the behind the scenes aspect to be on the stage today is because we often hear from producers and writers and directors and those folks who talk about the vision and how they got the story. But what oftentimes people don't know is that there are a lot of other jobs behind the scenes that require a lot of skill sets, data scientists like Carol, you know, all the analytics and, and the strategy from MJ, you know, um, Lewis is on the promotions and I'm sorry, on the um, communication side and really kind of actually promoting and publicity as well. These are all skill sets. I obviously see myself as a lawyer, but I'm even beyond that. I always say I'm a strategist. So I'm always helping the company figure out how to plan things, how to organize things, how to get a project on schedule and how to keep and make sure that all the talent, if you will, and all the agents and lawyers and all the people who are involved, I manage those people and also manage my client groups so that they know what to expect. So these are skill sets that you have to have that are not just, you know, it's not just the glitz and glamour, but it's also real data and science and, you know, um, the importance to be executively present in, in those ways too. So I would just say these are all things that, you know, as you think about careers and particularly in this industry, think about the wide variety of jobs that are available to you because it's not just the small myopic ones that we always hear about. Yeah, that was such a great point. And uh, don't limit yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, you know, launch, um, tagging on to the idea of success, how this was such a successful show. How do you measure success now? Because we talked about multi platform and t- there's social media engagement, there's DVR so people can watch the show later. Um, and Carol and MJ, this is probably a great question for you both. How did you, you know, and, I, and I'm sure you have to have a vision of what success is going to be way before. Right. How, how you're going to um, measure success. What was that process like? Well, I mean, for us, it starts with social listening, I think, because it's really important to have all of that uh, in terms of what's going on on Instagram and everywhere else, Facebook and Snapchat. I mean, you would be surprised how much we're trolling you guys out in those worlds to see what <laughs> you're doing. Um, then the other part of it is, is that it was hugely successful for us. We had a total of 29 million viewers who watched that's edition. incredible. Number That's one incredible. biopic among African-Americans. The very few people can say that. There are a lot of people who do biopics. I'm sure some of you saw the Michael Jackson one on Lifetime um, just recently. But at the end of the day, we are the people who are doing it the best because we have an intimate understanding of what's going on. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's using every platform, but it's really listening to what's happening, what's going on with the viewers and the audiences and making sure that we tap into that every step of the way. Yeah. I just want to add, you know, my end, you know, my ruler of the day is the number, the rating number. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I never can go too far away from that because, we, and it, you know, I just want to keep it. I think it's important, especially with the audience we have today that, you know, 
it's a business. And so, you know, you always, no matter how much fun you're having, no matter how great, how passionate you are, you always want to make sure you have a pulse on the business needs and, and what is the priority of the department? What is the priority of the network? And so for this particular show, you know, I knew how many impressions I would need to hit to even hit the target of the rating goal. Wow. So and, I, and what do you mean by impressions? Just so to meaning give, if yeah. I needed on, you know, an average, an average show just to, to be able to back into equate to a rating, you would need about 50 million impressions, yeah. right? To back into, to our target, every, you know, depending on the, your size of audience for this particular show, I had built a campaign that had an over delivery of 90 million impressions. Wow. And so right off the bat, if my plan delivered, you know, as I said, it would deliver, I was going to hit the rating. What happened with this plan is it actually exceeded the rating goal. We actually had of this 29 million people, we had, I think it was 4.4 million people who hadn't been to the network in the previous, right, it was like, you know, previous time, measure time period um, for the show. And so it was, it was a huge success because we could see, you know, that, you know, we had captured an audience that just hadn't been to the network. Um, and then also, you know, when we looked at like click through rates and conversion rates, we were able to see that, you know, our um, strategy that, you know, we're going to take a, a big amount of, of the budget and put it against TV and not only TV, we're going to put it against sports and not only sports. I'm going to be in the Cleveland Cavaliers game. When I went back, I could show my boss that we had the highest conversion rate in this game. And then I'd also would share that ABC, you know, that Nielsen announced that it was like the highest rated game of, you know, the, the, the year, year to date. So there were a lot of different metrics that, you know, we were looking at as we're, you know, determining success. And then the other thing, and I think it's important is is social media. Um, You know, we, you know, the night of premiere, you know, we were number one, we beat, we beat out Oprah's, uh, have and have nots, which is a huge success for you know um, show for our audience. Uh, we beat out the NBA, which is hard to do. Any sporting events, it's hard to do. Yeah. And so there were a lot of key things that we saw early on that we were like, you know, episode one, we're like, this is a hit. Yeah. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be a success. But I just think it's important to share with the audience that um, you know we 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 um, you know look at a lot of different metrics, but at the end of the day you know, the rating numbers was important to keep us employed and, and, you know, keep the network running. So we're always adhering to that. And then the true test of whether a show is a sincere hit is how many gifts and memes go out there (laughs) via your social media, because we track all of that. So the more that you guys send that stuff out, we're following it. And the fact that it can be a trending topic and go all the way around, you'd be surprised. So you think you're throwing shade at somebody by throwing a gift or meme out there, but we recognize that that's a tribute to us. We love a meme. We love a meme. We are we are a meme company. Yes. I love it, um, yeah. Lewis. Yeah. yeah, I was also going to mention. I think as far as success, a measurement of that is the impact on pop culture. Um, you know, there's until this day we still. I get emails from um, fans who sh- you know who videotape their kids dancing to New Edition. Um, we get still uh, media requests for our talent because they want to still work with them. You know, they still have. 
have this appetite for a new edition. And also to the social media, since we, we, we also trended um, three days straight, and that's the number one trending topic for each night. It was also having someone like Kerry Washington on her uh, night of premiere saying, hey, I know it's scandal night, but you know I'm going to watch new edition. And she tweeted that out. And you have people like The Rock. And, you know, when you get so uh, you infiltrate organically um, in a way in pop culture, I feel that's also another success and a win for us. Yeah. Louis, you know, I, I love that you have the perspective of working with the talent and bridging that gap between the media and the talent. Um, you know, how important is that piece? I mean, talk about how essential that is also to the team and making sure that all of this leads to a successful result. Um, and what was the biggest challenge that you have in, in working with the talent? <laughs> I'm sure they're all amazing and they're incredibly talented. They're wonderful. But, uh, you know, what's the challenge of your job? Give people an insight into that. Well, um, to give you a little perspective, um, we had um, the cast who was playing New Edition as adults. We called them the bigs. That was six guys. Then we had the littles who played them as <laughs> children. You know, those were five. Then we also had the new edition, um, the actual new edition band and the supporting cast. So we're talking about over 30 bodies that we either had to move, we either had to promote or we had to work with. And add to that, their reps, their managers, you know, and um, and, and momagers as well. So it was a lot, a lot of uh, folks that we had to work with. But, you know, we, as part of my strategy, I wanted to be sure that we were, you know, working on that bridge strategy to make sure that anywhere that you turn to a, a red or a blog, you saw a new addition. And with that, it's kind of working with Khadija when we made, uh, we finalized contracts and making sure, okay, do we have a story here? Who can we announce what and when, um, and kind of working towards that uh, so that we have news to share and people are talking about it. So it's like when we added Lala, Ant Lala Anthony or when we added additional cast members, had to work very close in hand um, to, to make those announcements. Um, then we were kind of working on the production side of when we were going into production and, you know, make sure we secure Entertainment Tonight, LA Times, and Ebony to be on set and get interviews there that will hit closer to the premiere. Then we also capitalized on, like, Halloween, and uh, Michelle's yeah. team did, like, a Halloween new edition theme bash. And we went to a media and said, hey, you know, a happy Halloween, here's a sweet treat. And, you know, uh, Candy Girls is a popular song for new edition. Yeah. We tied that into it. Um, and then having, going into some of the challenging parts of this is people movement. So we had about five cities. We were snowed out in Boston, and we had to on-site and make that decision. At the moment, um, that was a major blizzard. We had to decide to move uh, the premiere of that screening to another date. And then we're talking about um, New Edition's hometown and their families yeah. and their friends. So we want to make sure we we got it right. But we, you know, make an we made an executive decision to move it to the next day. We had a packed house. People were singing, dancing, and we, we kind of made it work. But um, we we I have to say the cast was really amazing. It, they really built a brotherhood within the production, so that made it so much easier to 
to kind of, you know, push ahead and, and promote. Yeah, and those littles are phenomenal. Adorable. They're adorable. They're adorable. Oh you all need to go on and watch this anyway. <laughs> uh, go online to It's available on BET's website, yep. right? And on the BET Mobile. app, yeah. And Caleb McLaughlin, who's in um, Stranger Things, he's the um, one of the characters there. And we use that to um, capitalize on his celebrity. And we got a People exclusive of a clip of him singing because he's an amazing singer, actor, yeah. but also a great singer. So, yeah, yeah we try to really maximize all avenues that we could. <laughs> yeah, they are just so precious, and they're just phenomenal dancers as well. Um, so before we're going to throw it out to you guys for questions, obviously a very esteemed panel. I want to make sure that you get to ask them um, what's on your mind. But I want to go down the line and ask each one of you, if you could pick one character trait that is really, really essential in young people coming into this industry, you know, to be able to sit in your chairs and do what you do, uh, whether it's weather storm planning or event planning, <laughs> but but more seriously, um, what do you think is is a really essential trait? And uh, maybe Carol, we'll, we'll start down that end with you. So I look for great thinkers and people who are solutions oriented. Always be the person that offers me something so that I can do something with it. Um, people hate people who say no all the time. At some point, you've got to be able to say yes or think about an alternate route to a yes. So I need somebody who's a great thinker who can connect the dots and who's not afraid to be solutions oriented. Yeah. Love that. MJ? I think um, I, I, I want to kind of go back just really quickly um, to a question you asked earlier about, um, you know, advice to, to young people. And I think it's important. It, it, what's happening in the marketplace now to be a generalist versus an expert in one thing. When I came out of college, you know, everyone was studying, you know, to be an expert in one thing, right? And what you'll find in your career is that your career will, you know, move. It's kind of like a stream. It's going to move up. It's going to move down. It's going to move around. And the people that are most successful, um, uh, I find, are people that are generalists and, and, you know, they're kind of like a jack of all trades. You know, Khadija, she's an attorney, but there's been times we're at, you know, screening and I, I might need Khadija to help with the event. You know, or, you know, Lewis, like he talked about, you know, he did a storm strategy (laughs) for us. I mean, and that, you know, it it sounds like, oh, you know, like it's simple, but we had the mayor involved. We were doing a declaration. We were giving them a key to the city. There were a lot of moving parts. So, you know, you kind of got to, you know, step outside of your day to day to make that happen. So, you know, that's just some advice. Um, What what I look for and what I think is important um, especially with, you know, everyone talks about the millennials and, you know, um, different, you know, the age groups are all over the place, um, is that, you know, pay attention to the details. That is still so critical. Um, there's a lot going on. You know, we talked about, you know, multi-platform and you're watching TV and you're on your mobile phone and you might, you know, be doing five other things. And the people that are able to to stop and pay attention to the details are all... Also, um, people that I find um, are very, um, you know, successful because, you know, it's it's important with, with everything that's happening, all the clutter in the marketplace, you know, all the clutter in your day-to-day. Like, you might walk into the office and you think you're about to do this and your boss calls you in a meeting, your whole day is turned upside down, that you're still able to pay attention to the details. So, I would I would focus on that. Great. I agree with both Carol and um, um, Michelle. What I would also say is that, um, you know, two things I would say, one in particular is 
do the work that no one else wants to do as well. Because a lot of times people get to get jobs because they take on the tasks that no one else wants to take on. I got my job that way, quite honestly. I came out of law school. I was in a special program at Viacom. I did the work that no one else wanted to do. I learned all the union guild stuff to figure out SAG-AFTRA, DGA, WGA, how do people get paid? How do you work with kids, all the things, all the details, quite honestly, that no one wanted to understand. I put it in my brain and then I became a resource. So I feel like, you know, people have to be willing to stretch themselves and take on the hard task. Um, Because the truth is that that's how you solidify your employment. Um, And the other thing I would say also is recognize that whatever job you get hired for, that job will likely expand. Doesn't mean you get a good promotion automatically, but it means that you will take on more things. So like one perfect example is like, you know, you have to be willing to, to be the person who might have to do the operations, might be doing the business affairs, might be doing research, might be doing promotions. Sometimes those are the jobs that are actually the most fulfilling. So don't be open, I'm sorry, don't be closed and myopic, and, and be, but be open to the, uh, the idea that your job could expand. You might not always get the salary immediately, but do the job. Show them that you can do the, the work and then hopefully all the other things will come along with it. Great advice. And, and Lewis? Well, I think... Um one thing as far as advice is um, looking in the in the line of networking, not forgetting that the people around you, your, coll- your friends and uh, people probably in this room have connections to interests that uh, in the future you might actually benefit from. So do not uh, forget that you already are part of a network and utilizing those lines of communication to get you where you want to be. Um, and as far as something that I look for and, and it's important to have, and, and someone that I would say is in my team, is flexibility. And I think is, is um, threaded through, through a lot of things that we've been saying, but also knowing that, you know, things may, you know, you may have the perfect plan, and that doesn't always <laughs> pan out that way. And it, it determines the success of different projects that you're working on, your flexibility, and your willingness to kind of go along those paces and just you know, you know how to do your job, but you have to show your composure because if you're frazzled, if you're, you know, not giving it, not being present, people notice and that can actually, you know, either harm you or benefit you in the future. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you guys so much for your insight. I uh, want to turn it over to all of you. Um, I'm sure we've got a lot of curiosity and questions for our panel, so don't be afraid. All right, we've got one right here in the front row. Uh, for time, Oh, uh, for time management, how how do you guys like manage your time with like family, work, and everything? Like, how do you guys like work life balance? What is that? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I'll I'll just say that you know I don't think there's really a a real thing called work life balance. I think <laughs> I think that you you listen, you do the best you can in the space that you're in. I tell my kids, this is going to be a really tough week for me at work. Um, I'm not going to be 100% at home. And then sometimes I tell my employer, look, I got a lot going on at home. This is gonna, this is what I need to do at work. So I think you just have to communicate and be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that you're, you're never going to be 100% every place. You got to figure out where you need to serve most in that in that particular time span. But, you know, you do the best you can. And I don't, I don't you know, I think that it, it, it is possible. Clearly, we juggle it. We all, have, all you know, whether 
you have children or not. You may have family commitments. You might have, you know, things that you do in your personal life. So I don't always think, I tell my team, it's not always about who has kids and who doesn't have kids. All of us deserve time to sort of serve, um, you know, in different areas that we want to serve in, whether it be, you know, community service at home or with family members and commitments of, of, of sorts. So I think, I think you just do the best you can. I don't think there's a real, in my opinion, I don't think there's a real answer or recipe for how do you do it. Yeah. Yeah, sir. All right, so um, say somebody like me or anybody that's in this room want to become a part of a member or a talent for BET, how can they go about it? Oh, if you become talent, you know, or if you have interest in becoming talent for um, BET, uh, well, there, there's a few avenues. One of them is obviously if you have an agent, <laughs> you know, at that point in time, you know, you kind of have to go that route, depending what your interests are. Um, it's you know, as you know, we are in 92 million homes. We're a global corporation. So I think it's not an EC submitting a tape uh, type of scenario. But I do think that we are always, uh, as Carol mentioned, looking at our talent team is always looking at so, uh, social media, kind of looking who is popping, who is um, kind of making a mark in that space. So I think that's a good um place to start at least in the social media realm and kind of gaining followers and can't you know kind of getting attention that way um and then you know if you go the traditional route is obviously you know through your agent and and management that can kind of help you know who already should have those connections and kind of get to the right people uh, on the team and i just wanted to say woody mclean who plays bobby brown in new edition is a social celebrity he came from social media he has millions of followers and that was one of the things. We were just in um, L.A. together for the Emmys, uh, Emmy consideration. And, um, you know, the guys were kind of saying, like, hey, he has, like, more followers than any of us, and we've been acting for a long time. So um, I think, you know, like um, Lewis just mentioned, I actually um, just hired someone that, you know, I'm always asking the younger people on the team, like, who are you guys watching? Who's hot? Like, who's hot on social media? And there's a guy, Kendall Kendall, that, um, you know, they're like, you got to check out his videos. And so I started following him. And then I, I DM'd him one day and I said, I'd like to talk to you. He sent me his phone number. We had a conversation and he did the red carpet for us um, for uh, uh, ABFF, an award show we had in February. And the, the, the crazy thing is he did the red carpet and now he's doing VH1 and TNT and, you know, so it's definitely possible without an agent, you know, but as Lewis said, it's important that you're doing something on social media. Um, and, and we also look heavily on YouTube. Yeah. There's a question over here. Yeah. Young woman right here in front. Oh, well, we can, we'll get both of you and <laughs> I'll catch you next. No worries. Hi, thank you for your time. Um, I have a, a tremendous interest in big data and business analytics, and I have a question for MJ and Carol. Um, I was wondering what data sources are the most important for you in decision-making and determining what types of content you're going to release and when. Okay, so for us it's Nielsen because we're looking at the data, but um, it goes even beyond that for me because I design a lot of the surveys and I do proprietary research. So I'm always trying to figure out what the attitudes are, what the consumption patterns are, what the behaviors are. So we use a combination of quant and qualitative to help us understand what's going on. Focus groups, you'd be surprised how many people don't go to focus groups, but it's a great opportunity to get information about what people are thinking, what they want to watch. So I take all of that empirical data and then I try and put a game plan together 
for these guys so they can figure things out. And I think it's important to just add one of the things that Carol and her team always push is ethnographies. And ethnography is when you actually go into someone's home and you watch what they're doing. You watch their viewing habits. And for us, sometimes on your day-to-day, you're far removed from your target audience, right? So whoever your target audience is. And it's important that, you know, and I would say on a consistent basis that, you know, you're reconnected to that audience through the focus groups, through the ethnographies to really see like, who is this person? You know, why are they watching TV? You know, what are we delivering? You know, what solution are we giving them? Whether it's entertainment, whether it's information, you know, why are they watching a particular show? So it's very important, but ethnographies, I love ethnography. We just did an ethnography in Atlanta. So I'll tell this because I think it's funny. We had a young man in our focus group who every time we asked him a question, we would say to him, why are you watching that show? And he would say, because my girlfriend watched that show. And I would say, how are you still watching? He's like, no, I got dumped by that girl. So, and he just kept watching shows. So I thought he would be really interesting to follow home. We went and followed him at his house. And what we found out was, is that he's a big gamer. And so they had two TVs on top of each other, two flat screens. And that was the only way that he was able to watch shows is that he would stay in the room with his significant other he would game on the bottom TV and she would watch the top TV. And so that's a guy that's always going to be with his woman. Exactly. He's always going to be watching. Um, And we were shocked because we took a picture. We couldn't believe it. Like this dude is actually gaming on one TV and the other TV and she's watching everything else. And it was fascinating to us that he would sit there and do that without, okay, he's a willing participant, but she's really the driver of what gets watched. Right. And, And so when, when I see that and I hear that, what that tells me is my messaging needs to talk about togetherness, right? So, so what's happening there? They're trying to find time and their busy schedule to be together. And TV, you know, those two TVs connect them. So, you know, it's important that, uh, you know, again, those are not pictures, people. Yes, we have we seen do. it. We asked them. We actually watched <laughs> Watched him game on one thing and watched her watch all of her shows. And then we went through all of their DVRs to see what they were watching. And quickly, just in in regards to timing, at least in my end, and many of you know, whoever had a paper due, is all about deadlines. So a lot of the timing of when I communicate things are based on the publications or media outlets deadline. So if I need something, if I want the cover of Essence magazine, I cannot reach out to them a month out. I have to do that six months out. So that kind of um, determines and dictates my pacing on what information and when I release it. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, this. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, wait, no, oh, I, I'm just saying because I, I pointed at her last time and wanted to make sure she got it, and we'll get to you next. Hello, everyone, and good morning. So first, I'd like to thank you all for being here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Symbia Connie, currently a rising senior at Brew College, majoring in entrepreneurship management with a strong interest in business, and I'm also an online content creator, all that fun stuff. So... Here's my question for you. After achieving so much success, how do you constantly exceed your own ex- expectations, whether that's as a team or in, 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 in your own life, in, in your career? Um, the question can take any route you'd like. Thank you. Uh, all right, new edition story two. <laughs> right? You know what? What I will say is, thank you for the question, by the way. Um, what I will say is that I think that a lot of the lessons that we learned from this 
particularly in terms of teamwork and what it takes is our lessons that we will take, obviously, and reapply in other places. Um, clearly, the budget that we had in New Edition is actually much more than what we would typically give for a show, um, you know, data on a regular basis. But what I will say, there, there are some key learnings that we actually, we always work together anyway, but that we actually can apply and bring other people into those learnings and to make sure that they recognize some of the success that we had. Actually, a great part of it actually is because of the way that we did things, the seven months out, the pre-planning, the deadlines, the data science that went into all these things earlier, and basically bringing people into some of the discussions um, in a different way. So those are things that I think that we definitely will continue to use. The other thing I would say is that real, at the end of the day, we always want to be successful. We want every we want every single show that we make to be a hit. It is not always the case, as you know. Um, it, it, it's sort of a science and an art all in one. So um, it's just a matter of making sure that we do the things that we need to do. The devil is in the details. And making sure that we're also listening to the research because the research actually drives this whole thing. If we don't listen to the research, no matter what we do, typically we're going to have some failures in that way. So I think that's really the, the key thing, um, which is why we love Carol. <laughs> um, do, oh, I, I just want to get one more question, one last question, because I just want to make sure we run on time. So this, yeah, I'm, let's just get that one last question. Hi, I'm Melinda Balthrop. I'm a graduate student at Johns Hopkins University. Thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to ask a question about target audience. You talked a lot about understanding and knowing your target, target audience. And the gentleman who spoke earlier uh, talked about the younger generation um, being less concerned about race and not really seeing race first. So when you look at BET and its brand in the next five years or 10 years, do you ever envision a time where your target, your target audience is, is more diverse, is not just... Um, black, it's all races. So and what's the data showing? Um, so we have tackled that by uh, thinking of it in this way. Um, we're always following influencers, trendsetters, and culture catalysts, culture igniters. But we also know that people are lovers of black culture because black culture starts everything and then mainstream culture takes it up. But we don't care um, if you're loving, leaning, or living it. Um, that's And this is true, this is what we're focusing on. We call them LBCs and it's leaning in, loving it, and living it. And that means everybody can be touched by something, particularly New Edition, which is multi-generational, very, very diverse, because everybody can relate to who the group is, what they are, and everybody has a story that they can tell. So we target that in a way where we help people understand what really matters. We also just did a segmentation study where we have these six segments that we go after, depending upon how we have to go after them. And MJ and I work together really closely on that because we've got queen moms, we've got young social and aware, we've got modern family man, and we try to think of all the different ways that we can tap into those target audiences. I also think, and, and I didn't hear the conversation that happened before we came out, but uh, everything that's happening, um, you know, in the world right now, especially, you know, under um, new, you know, president, social media, LeBron James was just all over the yeah. news yesterday talking about no matter how much money you have, it's hard to be a black man in the United States. I think that, you know, it's important for us to understand, um, you know, millennials and younger younger people's mindset and lifestyle. There's been a lot of research that, you know, uh, has come out. This is, you know, they don't look at race first, right? They look at sensibilities and lifestyle and but, commonality. Okay, but, but that's not true. No, but I'm saying yeah. there's research out there and that, that's, you know, some of the um, statements he was sharing could come from that. But then there's a lot of other research that says right now, um, you know, 
it's important that um, the African-American community is seeing you know, mirrored images. They want to see reflections of themselves. They want to see sense of community. And I think, you know, when you look at Black Lives Matter and a lot of the different um, organizations that have been very prevalent in the community in the last couple of years, um, we're starting to see a shift um, in racial identity. So I think, as Carol mentioned, it's something that we, we're paying attention to. We're on the, the pulse of, you know, all the different, the trendsetters, the, you know, the, the political climate, all the different things. And so it, it goes back to what I said earlier about paying attention to the details because the market is, you know, the, 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 the industry and, and demand, supply and demand is constantly changing. And so the content that you're producing, you need to make sure that, you know, it's still relevant to your audience. And we have an Inside the African-American and Multiracial Millennial Study of 5,014 to 36-year-olds. Um, and we track that on every two years. And we look at that data religiously. We know a lot about what you're doing and what you're thinking about and how you feel. Um, you know, it, not too long ago, it took all the executives to understand that the cell phone is the most important thing mm-hmm. in the lives of a millennial. Like, they lose their cell phone, they're pretty much done. Um, and so in order for me to get that point across, I asked this question in a survey, and this is a true question. Um, would you rather lose an arm, a leg, or a cell phone? No millennials answered they would rather lose their cell phone. But the wow. fact that they debated whether they would actually want to lose an arm or a leg, to me, was fascinating. Wow. So 53% of you would like to lose a leg, and 47% of you would like to lose an arm, which I find fascinating. So that let us know how important this cell phone is and what we need to do. Wow. Uh, the fact that you guys could go around with, without one leg, but nobody really wanted to not have two arms, is important, <laughs> right? Because you're constantly yeah. doing this. Yeah. So uh, that crystallized for executives how important the cell phone was. Wow. Um, any, any last thoughts from Lewis or Khadija before we wrap I up? I was just going to say the cell phone's not that deep. We can replace it, save it in the cloud. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking, Khadija, but I love it. the proof is in the answer. And I, and I just want to say our biggest tent poll of the year is this summer with the BET Awards. So please make sure you check that out. Um, it's in June, at the end of the, end of the oh, it's June, June 1st. June, ah. June, yeah, no, 20, no, June, June 25th. 25th. June 25th. Um, and then we have a new show, Tales. I don't know if you guys know Irv Gotti. Murder Inc. Uh, Job Rule, a little bit before your time, but they were really, really popular um, in the late 90s. Uh, he was kind of, you know, came up with Diddy and that whole regime. Um, we have a new exciting show with him. So that premieres a Tuesday after BT Awards. So check it out. And just look out for Bobby Brown's story too next year. Okay. Oh, we got it awesome. on the heels of yes, yes. on the heels of new edition. So it'll be a kind of part two. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Always marketing. Always That's marketing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Always. And then, you know, kind of uh, uh, leading to the last question, but it's all about authenticity. And I think a lot of the programming coming up is about telling authentic stories. So definitely look out for that. Um, and also, you know, I have to do my part too. But um, if you go um, bt.com, bt now app you can actually access a lot of this content um and again it's not about um it's about lovers of black culture as well you don't have to only be black to watch bet that's right or the content. Loving and living. so there's a lot of really great it. stories or things that if you haven't caught you can cut up uh catch up on there amazing thank you guys so much aren't they incredible wow thanks for listening to this episode of the future now media podcast Share your comments and also tell us some of the topics that you'd like us to cover in future episodes. We want to hear from you. 
And remember, connect with us through our Facebook page, Future Now Media Foundation, as well as on Instagram and LinkedIn. This is Peggy Kim. Till next time, remember, a future now is a future one.